I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome back to Deep Dish Radio. I'm Tim Powers. Boy, our social media has really taken off. Thanks to everybody who's followed us on Twitter, uh, at Deep Dish Radio. And, of course, uh, our uh, our Facebook page, which is facebook.com backslash Deep Dish Radio. Thanks, everybody. We really appreciate it. Uh, our hotline, if you'd like to send us voicemail, is uh, 865-4-4. 4- Tim says, 8654-TIM-S-A-Y-S. <laughs> so uh, you can leave me voicemail there. And thanks to everybody who has emailed us. We love getting emails, and we'd love to read your email right on the show. Email us at DDR for Deep Dish Radio. DDR at email.com. I'd like to thank Jack and Linda from Asheville, North Carolina, for their very kind words. And, of course, thanks to Ron and Joy in St. Louis for their kind support and their encouragement. Always good to hear from uh, from uh, from good listeners. My guest today is Mike Montali. He's a songwriter and the de facto leader of a hot new band out of the Bronx, New York, called Hollis Brown. I've been really impressed with Mike's music and the tremendous skill that the band has. Wow. Uh, listeners to the show know that I believe rock and roll died with John Lennon, and if not then, with Jerry Garcia. But Hollis Brown appeared on my radar, and I am happy to call them the last great rock and roll band. Uh, you'll dig their stuff, and I'll play one of their songs after my interview with Mike Montali. Hollis Brown right now is on tour with Counting Crows, as well as club dates all over the U.S., so you better get ready. They may be coming to your town. And they're headed to Europe in the later part of 2015 with Counting Crows. Their latest album, Three Shots, is something you should buy at your local record store as soon as you can. And uh, if that's not fast enough, get it on iTunes or wherever you buy your music. Just get it. You'll be doing yourself a favor. The album is called Three Shots. It's new from Hollis Brown, and it, my friends, is a very, very good rock and roll album. Here's Mike Montali on Deep Dish Radio. Subscribe today and tell a friend about Deep Dish Podcast with Tim Powers, with Tim Powers. 
it's a dopey place to start, but uh, but Hollis Brown is joining the ranks of bands named for people like Molly Hatchet and Jethro Tull. <laughs> so how often? Yeah, I guess so. How often do promoters ask which one's Hollis? Well, you know, it's kind of like the which one's Pink, um, right. Pink Floyd type of thing. Everybody, every it's not as many, as many promoters you'd be surprised, but as just random people will say, "Hey." Are you Hollis? Are you Hollis? I say like, no, you know. <laughs> you're but, gonna uh, you're gonna end up yeah, like Alice Cooper. Really, you know, in hindsight, it's weird because we always try and say we're a band, not a man. You know, it, it, because we picked the name kind of like as a cohesive thing where you can have a group of people who also have this one defining either sound or identity and all that. But right, maybe it's backfiring. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Nobody looks at Eric Idle and says, which one of you guys is Monty, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you guys really, you, you work at presenting yourself as a as a self-contained unit, you know, an old school uh, self-contained band. You know, song, you write your own stuff. You don't do a, a lot of covers except for one album that's entirely covers. But um, Yeah, we did a whole covers record, man. Right. Uh, which is... <laughs> we do... Well, we're really fond of songwriting, and we're really, we're really like, I think me and John in particular, both individually and collectively, we strive to create something that's really solid from a songwriter uh, standpoint. So I think original music to us is really the thing, you know? I mean, we love playing other people's stuff and doing covers and all that, but at the end of the day, you know, we'd like to be... Uh, I guess critiqued or um, evaluated on our original music, so it's um, it's really important to us to be able to have that outlet to not and and, and <clears throat> we are self-contained in the way that we kind of and the music industry kind of lets you do it nowadays, where you can be self everything by yourself in the way you know. So we kind of have a lot of control over our artistic. Um, ideology i guess and um i think that's kind of a gift and a curse in different ways obviously sure. but uh we're we'd like to you know that's why we were able to do the loaded record where we got to cover the velvet on the ground stuff and but we really want to be held up by the stuff that we write because we're really passionate about yeah writing music sure I mean, it, it seems the conventional wisdom, as I talk to you from Hollywood, is that Hollywood is afraid of new ideas. You know, they're they're remaking movies for the third and fourth. Oh time. yeah, I mean, you see it every you know, the Expendables thirteen and all this. Right. It's so weird because when you look at and I'm a I'm a huge movie person. I love going to films. I I really love cinema, but when you look at a lot of what's, it's all either remakes of stuff that was made really well back, you know, 30, 40 years. I'm waiting for the the Godfather to come out. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I think that'll be like the end of it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for Casablanca to be remade and it's ridiculous. You know? Or a prequel. Yeah. <laughs> it's also the consumption, you know, it's, it's a consumption thing. And a lot of the art industries like the music business, or if you look at even the film world, but, it's a lot for for a studio or a record label or blah, blah blah to take a big chance on something. You know, I went last, my my favorite movie of last year was probably Whiplash. I love that movie. That was a great movie. Right. You know, it was. But that's not a that's not a movie that 
people are going to put a lot of money into because it's not going to have a big return. It's artistically incredible. And I don't know, maybe Bert, uh, yeah, there were a lot of good, there were, there's always been a couple good in the movie, uh, where the Birdman was a good one. Right. There's been a lot of, but those movies aren't, you know, there's not a lot of money in, but Mission Impossible, you know, 32 with Tom Cruise still going. Right. Or James Bond or all this stuff. That's, and the same thing is with the reg, you know, Taylor Swift or Beyonce. It's just an easy bet for them to be able to hit their quota. And that's like everything that's wrong in the whole thing, you know? Right. So you guys come not, along. Not to say that I'm anti, I'm not anti-major label. I'm, I'm or anything like that. I just think that art is, is tricky in that way, you know? Right. Because it's got to be challenging. To, I mean, you could you could come out and cover, you know, say you cover some CCR song. I don't know why I picked them, but let's, you know, you do, and that gets people's attention. Like half the Beatles' first album was covers, right? And sure, and the Stones, all that. They were all doing Chuck Berry, right? And I mean, I would imagine there's Chuck Berry in your repertoire, but you know, you guys are presenting yourselves uh, right out of the starting block. As a as a songwriter based band, which is commendable, and the songs are great, but it's got to come with some challenges, man. Sure it does, yeah, you know. But I feel like it's all relative, I guess. I mean, bands even you know, ten, twenty, thirty, forty years ago, they all had, I think, equal challenges, just in a different in a different way. I mean, it's hard. It's always it's historically really hard to be a band that has original stuff, new ideas, and does everything themselves, you know, in any, any time period. Yeah. But, but those, but sometimes those can be the ones that make the difference, you know? Yeah. Like the, the guy that was on my show last week was Larry Tamblin from the Standells, right? The Dirty Water. Oh, yeah. And, and he told some stories about, uh, you know, how they, they had an image of what the Standells would be. They got signed to a label and their, one of their producers was Sonny Bono. And he's and he starts to build this big wall of sound around this garage punk band, and they're like, "No, that's not us. Move on." And they maintain their right. integrity, you know. And now here they are, fifty years later, still rocking. It's great. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I, I mean, you know, I've known about you guys for about three weeks now, and I knew you were the real deal when I saw you play a D'Angelo EX one seventy five. Tell me about. I mean, and I love those country gentleman looking things. Tell me about how that yeah. guitar got to you. Tell me how that guitar got to you, because every guitar has a story when you're as involved as that. Well, it's funny you say. Yeah, I played the Angelico, and um, I'll tell you, I that was the actual guitar that I felt really fit the band uh, in the best way. Because I was playing a Les Paul for a while, and and predominantly in Hollis Brown, I I play, I hold the rhythm down, right. you know, and I and I. I play a couple solos and stuff, but predominantly I, I'm, you know, I hold the rhythm down. Right. And, um, which is the hardest thing to do, you know. I think John, uh, somebody, I think it was John Lennon, he said the hardest thing, it's harder to be a great rhythm guitar player than a great lead guitar player. It's you know? true. Rhythm was my like axe, too. Yeah. It just, rhythm, you know, rhythm is something you just have to have in you. You know, a lot of people can learn different lead guitar licks and do that whole thing but if you want to be a rhythmic player it's just something that not only takes time to work at but but uh so much i and I, I was 
I was playing for a while, I was searching for the right sound for the band and the new material we did on this latest record, Three Shots, and a, and a bunch of stuff, and I, uh, I wanted a country gentleman. That was my guitar, you know, and I was yeah. playing the Gretsch for a little while, and then, um, something about, I'm from New York City, that's where I'm, I grew up, and something about D'Angelico, it's all, you know, the, the story of it, and the, the thing about the guitar that I'm playing now from D'Angelico was, it, it's a little extra because it has a jazz kind of feel to it. it uh, you know, D'Angelico's historically or jazz guitar is made in New York, and right. it gives the pickups when you're playing rock and roll through it. And with what we're, when we're playing with with the band, what we do is it gives a little extra gain on the pickups. It kind of gives it a cool, different sound that I I hadn't heard in any other guitars. So. And I, and I always wanted a ruby red guitar, and then I, went, I got the chance to go to the showroom and hang out with all the guys and all that, and I saw the guitar, and I played it, and I said, okay, this, this is the one out of all of them. So she, so I, she found I've been, you. I've been rocking it, and, and I, I, think it's been, I think it's a little different, you know, because if I was playing a Gretsch right now, it would still be amazing, because Gretsch, Gretsch are amazing guitars, but it wouldn't have as unique of a tone and a drive that this one does. Well, and to bring a, a jazz guitar into a rock and roll setting, you know, it, it lends something lends yeah. something unusual. But it's weird because it, it's not a jazz guitar, though. You know, that's the whole like weird thing about it. That's why that was one of the reasons why I love it because, and why I did fall in love with it is because it's not really a jazz guitar. It's very, it can cross a lot of different genres and sounds. You can't really pin it down. It's got the rock. It's got the folk. It's got the jazz. It's got a whole. You can do a lot of things with it, you know, and I don't right. think anyone pushes it as much as we do in the rock genre. You know, a lot of people, when they play the D'Angelico's, they're a little more bluesy or R&B and all that. I don't think they go as rock as we do. Right. So I think that um, that's why it gives it its own thing, you know. And then you, you, you contrast that with John, who's either, from what I've seen, is either on a Stratic Stratocaster or he's got this awesome Les Paul GT, right, with the devil horns. Yeah. You know, yeah, and and the sounds that that uh, you know when the two sounds combine, it's really really something. It's great to hear. Um, yeah, hey. and uh, me and John, we have very different guitar styles. You know, yeah, we you play do. very differently on our instruments, so it kind of it complements each other in a way that people might not expect. You know. Yeah. Hey, tell me about tell me about Bo Diddley. Huh? I never met him. <laughs> you're kidding uh yeah you know uh, the, uh well we did a song called rain dance on the on the new record that came out three shots and it's a track that was done off of an old bo diddley demo actually so we met a rep from the boat from the bo diddley estate awesome <laughs> you know yeah we met a, a rep from the bo diddley estate and um we played a show, and she came to the gig, and she said, I got this Bo Diddley stuff that's in the vault. He has so, so much of this material. We said, well, you know, we have to hear some of it, you know. Right. This is a great, incredible originator and just a wonderful, you know, legend. So you got to send something over, you know, because we're all music guys. So we have to send something over. we got to hear it. we got to hear it. And she sent this lo-fi thing over, and we... um we got the guts, I guess, after a little while. I said, hey, what if we add, you know, what if we just get on it and try and do it? And they said, that could be actually kind of cool, you know. Right. So what was it? Was, so it, was it a cassette? Studio. 
Was it? It was, was a track that he sent over. Was instrumental, and actually, he's playing on the song. So right. what he sent over, you're actually hearing on the song. It's a guitar. We kept the guitar. It had a bunch of synths and some synth drums, and just this kind of cool vibe that we try to preserve. And uh, we kept his guitar. Did a lot of work to it. Our producer Don DeLego and our uh, John and Yellow, who mixed the record, really, really worked with his guitar. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. A lot. Made it sound great. And uh, we got in the studio and we just laid down what we thought would be a kick-ass thing and it became rain dance and uh everybody really seemed to like it so much and we just kept it on the record you know it was it was its own project and its own self it was like a kind of a crazy collaborative you know once in a lifetime awesome thing and we just thought we should put it on the album and i'm glad you did it's a it's a great <laughs> cut it's a fantastic cut yeah, we didn't know what to do with it. We thought maybe it'll be a single, or maybe it'll make like a compilation album or something. But we just said, "Fuck it, let's put it on our album." Right. You guys have a a really, uh, you know, there's a there's a real down and dirty rock and roll sound to uh, this contemporary band coming out of New York. How much influence does New York uh, have on on the music of Hollis Brown? You know, do well, you, yeah, uh, it's a really interesting thing, you know, because it's in our being, you know, both myself and John, it's in us, no matter what we do, we are New Yorkers and we come from here and that's, that's the place of our birth, just like if we came from anywhere else, you know, it just happens to be, we got this place that was very different from everywhere else right. and uh, a lot more cultural and a lot more stuff going on. So I think it's deep in us, but also in today's world with the internet and with all this different stuff, you know, you can kind of, you know, before music used to be very regional. So if you were from the South or you were from the West Coast or you were from New York or you were from London or whatever, you sounded a particular way because that was what you were exposed to regionally. But now everything's wide open, you know, so we can be exposed to things not only from the past, but things that just happened a second ago. So it's kind of... The door is wide open sonically, so I think that New York is definitely in us. And, and I mean, we did a whole Velvet Underground covers record, which is our favorite, one of our favorite bands, especially from New York. Yeah, ridiculous. So, so I guess that's in us, and a lot of our friends and the circles we hang out with. We, you know, we're New, we're New Yorkers, so we're in New York always. And, and when we're not on tour, and we live there, and we you know love there, and all that. 
but I think our sound is also very American more than it is New York. I think we have an American sound in the way that our songs are more heartland and are more uh, rootsy in the, in the true American spirit as opposed to the New York spirit. I'm not saying the New York isn't in there just attitude-wise because that's who we are, but it's, I think our sound is more American uh, if, 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 than it would be New York. Kind of a broader sense, yeah. Um, so that, that New York is, yeah, is, yeah. is real close to where you guys are, but when you and John were growing up, you know, there, it was still kind of colonial. It was still, um, very regional. Oh yeah, very different than it heard. is. That's why when you, you know, it's so weird because when I think of music from New York, I think of the Ramones, I think of the Velvet Underground, I think of, you know, that's from New York in, in the rock world anyway, right. you know, but near, not the jazz world or a lot of the other different genres, but in the rock and roll world or. Simon and Garfunk, blah, 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 but New York today, when you say, oh, that, it almost drives me crazy, because when I see in magazines and I see in blogs and stuff, oh, this New York City, it's, not that it has a, it just drives me crazy, because it's like, you know, the bands that people think are from New York are not really from New York, you know what I mean? Well, but you guys They're are, kind of, you guys are right there. But, you know, you sound, the, the sound is like, uh, you're right. It, it could pass as a, as a, a heartland Midwestern kind of band. That's why I think you're going to do great in St. Louis. Um, well, our, uh, our piano player, Adam Bach, is from St. Louis, and our rhythm section is from Cleveland. So we go. definitely have that Northeast, Midwest rock flair, you know? Yeah. What were the what were the sounds that you and John heard as kids, you know, growing up that that directed you to uh, to rock well, and roll? Well, the couple records that we bought. I mean, there's been so many, you know. Sure, but, but um, you never forget your first love, I man. Definitely the loaded. I mean, we did the loaded record. That was a big record for me and John when we first got together. Right. Started hanging out and writing songs. Uh, Ziggy Stardust has always been a big one for us. Uh, we got not that we don't listen to it as much now as we did when we were younger, but Freak Out by Frank Zappa was <laughs> a record that we bonded over. Awesome. Um yeah. Uh Exile on Main Street, you know, just stuff like you know, there's been quite a few, but I, I would say those four are probably the the ones we got on. Now the we've been both listening to a lot of Willie Nelson. We've been listening to uh It Comes and Goes. We have you know, we have very peculiar taste in music that um, we seem to be on the same wavelength a lot. Right. But, I mean, good is good, right? So, yeah, you exactly. know, you, you'll come yeah. in and out of it. I mean, if we were still listening to the same thing that we both listened to when we were 15, um, you know, you, yeah, you go you nuts. Yeah, you come in and out, you find out. new things, you try and grow, you get inspired by something new and you want to go that route, you know. Well, speaking of something, you actually brought up a really good point when you said with the internet, you know, uh, people's influences, bands' influences, uh, you know, you're not limited to by, by your geography. And, you know, 30, 40 years ago, a band would work real hard to get a record on the radio, then on MTV. Oh, yeah. And neither of those are really viable media anymore. So how does a new band get off the ground and get, get new stuff in front of people? Is it all word of mouth? Well, it's really hard. Yes, yeah. I mean, I would say yes and no. I mean, those. It just seems to be a culture in a society that not one thing will do it. Whereas before, if you just got on a late night show or you just got on a, you know, any one of those things, one appearance could break you. I don't think it's that quick and that 
one thing anymore. Right. You know, you kind of have to spread out. So you ha- you still have to do all the things. I think you still have to be around. And, you know, if you don't have a, hu- a radio thing, then you're probably not going to do it. You know, if you don't have a, you know, if you're not getting reviewed, you're probably not going to do it. If you don't have those appearances, you're not going to do it. If you're not on the right tour, if you're not, you just need to do all the things at once and build and build up to where you have that everything going on all cylinders, which is so hard to do it. Ridiculous. Yeah, it's like you're spinning plates. Comedy is the same way. You know, you used to be able to get a Tonight Show spot and you would be a star the next day. Or Yeah, exactly. It could have been you were banging uh, the booker's uh, niece and all of a sudden, boom, they introduced you and, you know, you got a slot. But And, and, and if you were good and if you cut through and impress and so-and-so... You know, the tastemaker world is very different. Not It's not as powerful as it used to be. It's kind of a different. Yeah, because it, it's a double-edged sword. You have direct access to your audience now. There's not some guy sitting behind a desk smoking a cigar going, man, the kids are going to love Hollis Brown, see? You know, but, uh, yeah, but, but they, they got to get to you. Yeah, but the guy sitting behind the desk, well, I, I think you are right, but I also think if the guy is sitting behind, you still need the guy behind the desk, like it or not, you know? Yeah. Just, he just might not be as important as he was. <laughs> but he thinks he is. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know. uh, Some things will never change. Yeah, no kidding. All right. Well, that's really cool. I, uh,. I don't endorse cool, man. Much. Thank you for having me on the show, man. I of course, appreciate it. of course. Yeah, you know, just uh, if you if you got a second, a couple real quick, just fun questions. You know, um, what's okay. the, what's the weirdest song that you would want to hear Hollis Brown cover? Oh boy, that's weird. You know, we uh, <laughs> we always joked that if we played uh, David Letterman when he was around, we would uh, we never got a chance to, unfortunately. But we. We always wanted to um, play It's Raining Men because Paul Schaefer wrote it. <laughs> so we said, if we ever get there and somebody, and we're going to play It's Raining Men for Paul Schaefer, and we never got a chance to. But That's hilarious. That, like, would be the, that would be the one. I'd like to hear you guys cover a Lee Hazelwood song. Um, that's cool. <laughs> cool. Tell me the worst uh, road food story. Every Every rocker's got a road food story that's horrible. Road food story? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Food on the road. Oh, boy. Let me think. Well, I got food poisoning. I'm not going to tell you where because I might get, you know, somebody yep. sue me or something. I'd bleep it anyway. It was a, uh, it was at the Waffle House. <laughs> and I got fucking food poisoning. So, so bleep it out. Bleep it out so I don't, you know. You know, what's funny is I'm going to bleep Waffle House but not fuck. But now what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's that's the world, you know. Going back to what we were talking about, that's the that's the way it is now. That's really true. Hey, but, uh, um, yeah, you know, food poisoning. There, man. We, you know, this story we've been hooked up because we've been with the County Crows and Citizen Cope, and all. I mean, it's just been really incredible. So yeah, I wanted to ask you about right that. For, about about touring with the Counting Crows. I mean that that opens up a big old audience for you, and you're you're going to be here in L.A. Yeah, playing the Verizon great. Amphitheater. Yeah, we're doing the whole. Yeah, we're doing the whole country with them, and we get to go to Europe. So it's, I mean, it's been as great as great. You know, we're getting exposed to a bunch of things and a whole new audience, and and it's really all we can ask for. So it's been a really good trek. Fantastic. Do you know what uh, Do you know what's next after the after the tour? 
got a new album, uh, new tour, anything? Uh, we're going to hit the studio. We're going to hit the studio again. You know, we're on tour until about Thanksgiving, and then we're going to take a little couple weeks to just decompress from because we'll we'll have been out for about six months. It'll be it'll take it like three or four weeks and just cool down. I'm getting married, gonna go on a honeymoon and just vamp out for a couple weeks, and then we'll get back in the studio, make a new record, hopefully. Fantastic. Well, what, some new recordings, anyway. I don't know if we'll have a whole record, but we'll we'll have something. Well, when you do. Uh, I hope that you will come back to Deep Dish. We love having you, and uh, I am Hollis Brown's yeah, newest fan. Cool, so really cool. All right. right, thanks for having me out, brother. My pleasure. I appreciate it. Stay in touch, and uh, we'll see you when you're in L.A. All right, yeah. You coming to the gig? Yeah, man. What we got? Hotel Cafe. Yeah, and the we Hotel got, Cafe uh, in October. And we got Irvine. We're playing at the amphitheater out there too with the County Crows. So yeah, you're gonna love that. Back to back night.
For 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.